This is HPR episode 2425 entitled Intro to XSL. It is hosted by Klaatu and is about 42 minutes long and carries a clean flag. The summary is a brief introduction to XSL and XSLT proc. This episode of HPR is brought to you by anhonesthost.com. Get 15% discount on all shared hosting with the offer code HPR15. That's HPR15. Better web hosting that's honest and fair at anhonesthost.com. This is Klaatu. You're listening to Hacker Public Radio. Back in episode 2378, I talked a little bit about DocBook and why you should love it and why you should use it and why it's better than everything else. And in that episode, I really kind of, I, I think, I hope, I haven't really listened to it lately, but I, I feel like I, I pushed Pandoc on people as kind of the easy entry into styling your XML documents. So if you if you just learned DocBook and have thrown a document together and then want to see it in EPUB or PDF form or plain text or HTML or anything, then just use Pandoc because it's really, really easy and it has quite reasonably attractive and sort of modern-looking styles. And so I, I wanted to emphasize to people that that was available to them because I think it's important to know that that's out there because a lot of people are uh, put off by by DocBook's requirement for um, a fairly foreign style sheet that, that people aren't really accustomed to. Now, of course, the, the advantage of, of DocBook is that it is XML, so the, and, and its intent is that you are probably going to convert it into some other format, which means that you can put it out to HTML, and if you're a CSS wizard, then you can take what DocBook spits out for you and and modify it just with straight CSS. So not a big deal. You can you can get around any kind of need for um, for XSL. But in this episode, I want to talk a little bit about about XSL because um, while it is really complex, um, it's also very very powerful. It's not, you know, needlessly complex. It is, it's It's really, you get a lot for, if you learn it, you get a lot in return. And and I kind of like that. And, and I'm not by any means an expert at XSL quite yet, but it is something that I've been using for a while. And uh, the more I use it, you know, the more uh, tricks I try with it. And eventually you kind of start to know a little bit, a little bit about it. So I want to share what I know in a, a little bit of an introduction into XSL. So let's start at the the beginning. We, we've already covered DocBook in episode 2378. If you haven't heard that one, you probably ought to listen to that if you're going you know, to, to get the most out of this episode. But we'll just say, okay, DocBook, it's a markup language. It is, or it's a schema, rather, for, for marking up uh, text, and it is XML format. So if you know HTML, you kind of know you, you you've got a you've got a uh, a foot in the door let's say for docbook because you're already familiar with identifying uh, the fact that maybe oh I'm writing a paragraph right now I should tag it and instead of d- tagging it with just bracket p close bracket it's bracket para close bracket so a little bit different than html but same concept okay we got that like i say more information 2378 
So you got that. So you're not going to usually probably just deliver docbook to people. You're not going to say, here's my, my thing. You can look at it now. It would look really foreign to most people and kind of messy. Lots of tags. Hard to read the actual text and separate the tags from the content. So what you, what you generally do is you transform it into some other text. And that is done by a tool called, well, as I said in the previous episode, Pandoc. You could do it with Pandoc, but we're, we're, we're doing it the manual way now. So that would be done with a, t with a tool called XSLT Proc, which I think means XSL Transform Processor or something like that. And that's one tool. There's another one called XML2. That's X-M-L-T-O, as in you can transfer this from XML to, and then whatever. So XML2 is quite easy. It's a really nice front end. Uh, I think it's written in Perl or something. Uh, it, it, it's, it's pretty neat. It's pretty cool. It's got a lot of options to it, but it is just a front end. So it's not, it's not doing all the processing itself. So we're just going to go ahead and get, we're just going to go to the, the, the bare bone sort of basic tool set. So we've got XML that we've written in some text editor, <coughs> Emacs. Um, and then we've got XSL that we've written in some text editor, and then XSLT proc to transform all of those things into, into some other format. So that's the expected workflow, really, from DocBook. Um, and like I say, you might have different tools. You might have something that transforms it for you and applies styles for you, but we're going to do it all manually right now. So if you are in front of a keyboard, lucky you, you can follow along. If not, I will try to be as descriptive as possible. In front of me, I have a monitor. I have Emacs, full screen, split into four panels. You start out your XML document, and we don't even need to go into DocBook so much for this, because this is really just about how you have XML markup and how you take it and sort of process it through this XSL style sheet language that I'm about to discuss. So we'll just drum up really, really quickly a really kind of basic sort of semi-doc book, semi-freewheeling uh, XML. So I'm just going to make a tag uh, or an entry called XML, and then I'll do a version equals quote 1.0, close quote, close bracket. That's our opening. And then we might as well just go ahead and close that as well so we don't forget. So just bracket slash XML, yeah? All right, so in between those two tags, obviously, uh, we'll do a, a para. That's bracket P-A-R-A, -A, close bracket. And we'll do my name is, and then we'll do author, close bracket. And then we're just going to put foo, and then close the author tag. So, and then close the para tag as well. So I'll tell you why we do foo a little bit later. I'm going to demonstrate something for you. But right now I'm just going to put foo. So let's call that a placeholder. But it it, it, it works. And then we'll do another, an, another paragraph, maybe, para. And then we'll just type out, you're listening to. And then we'll do emphasis, space, role, R-O-L-E, equals... Um, quote, bold, close quote, close bracket, Hacker Public Radio, close emphasis tags, and then close para tag, and close XML tag, which we've already done. 
it's hanging there at the end. So we'll save this. I'm going to just save it as the remarkably descriptive xml.xml file. Okay, it's pretty simple. So that's our, our sample um, XML document. It's got the opening XML tag, the sort of a declaration. It's got two paragraphs, and in the paragraphs it's got an author tag. It's got an emphasis tag, with the and the emphasis tag has an attribute on it of role, which we've set equal to bold. Okay, so now we're going to go down to a new document. I say down because I have another buffer open within this, this window. We'll make this our XSL style sheet. So um, we'll, again, kind of just keeping this basic, we'll just open up a thing that says XSL and then colon style sheet. So, uh, and then we have to do the XML in S colon XSL equals quote HTTP colon slash slash www.w3.org slash 1999 slash XSL slash transform. Um, we could probably squeak by without doing that. Oh, we should also do a version equals 1.0. Uh, I forgot the quotes. Quotes around 1.0. Okay, there we go. Uh, we could probably we could we could squeak by without doing that, to be honest. But it's kind of good good practice to make declarations like that because um, some things will complain. But I guess more important even than that is this XSL colon style sheet thing. And you may or may not know a whole lot about XML, but XML has something called namespaces, which you've probably heard of, uh, whether you've, you know, whether you program or not. There, there are such things as called as as, uh, as namespaces, and they essentially define, they qualify, let's say, they qualify what certain commands mean or or what certain keywords refer to. So if I have an imaginary programming language or markup language for that matter with the keyword foo in it and another um, and then someone programs a, a module or a, a plugin for that same language and they have the keyword foo in their module or their their plugin or their library whatever then now we have two foo keywords that might dwell in the same place that would be a problem the 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 interpreter whatever's interpreting these two things would not know what which foo to use were were i to tell it to use foo so we have namespaces and and then we can say well there's a clatu foo and then there's this um gort foo and when clatu uses foo he will say clatu colon foo, and if and if clatu is using gort's foo, then he'll he'll write gort colon foo, or possibly depending on how things are structured, maybe we'll just default to clatu's foo. So we'll just say foo. But if we're saying oh we want to use gort's foo, then we'll do a, a gort colon foo. So that's the concept of a namespace, and you see that in in all kinds of places, C plus plus, Python, and XML. So we and other places, but those are the ones that I'm familiar with. Uh, so, in XML, the namespace is indeed defined with a colon. So you have XSL colon style sheet, and that way it knows exactly which you know what 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 library or what what's what definition to go to when we say oh here's a style sheet because maybe something else has a style sheet it wouldn't know the difference. So now it knows that we're talking about an XSL style sheet. 
So we've got the XSL declaration there, and then let's just do something real simple. And we're gonna we're gonna convert this XML that we have to um, HTML essentially, and we'll do it a little bit. We'll do a sloppy transform, but it's fine. So we'll we'll make a new tag here, and we'll call it XSL template, uh, XSL colon template, space match equals para, match equals quote para, close quote, close bracket. And then we're going to do a, para, uh, a bracket P bracket, and then bracket XSL colon apply dash templates. And then we'll just do a slash bracket to close that. It's sort of a self-standing one. And then we'll do a bracket slash to close the P uh, tag. And then we'll do a bracket slash to close the XSL colon slash uh, colon uh, template. Okay, so it looks very much like uh, HTML. You know, you're closing your tags just like in HTML, for instance. I'm saying bracket slash because I have Emacs autofill um, the thing, the 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 tag, you know, the un, the the latest unclosed tag. So, um, okay. So the next one we'll do is an XSL colon template space match equals quote emphasis close quote close bracket, and then we'll do a bracket I XSL colon apply templates close the bracket I close the XSL template and then close the XSL style sheet. All right, so that is our very basic XSL transform page or uh, sheet style sheet. Now, if you look at it, you may be able to predict what's going to happen. But let's talk about each one really quick before we reveal how it works. XSL declares itself as XSL. That's good, and then it says XSL template. Okay, so a template is a a um, a phrase or a clause, I guess, in an XSL style sheet. Um, it's a little bit confusing because a lot of people, if you said, oh, here's a template, to them, that means it's a template, like a set of templates. You know, I think for someone who's coming from like a word processor, like LibreOffice or something, they might say, oh, cool, a template, That'll, that's great. And they'll just think that the template has everything in it, you know, it'll have side border and it'll have styling for the fonts and, you know, the whole, whole nine yards. And that's not how templates in XSL work. Um, the 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 quote unquote template is the style sheet, and within that that style sheet are actual template templates. So the templates are rules. So this first template that we create is XSL template, and then we say, okay, well we want to match. That's the word match equals quote para close quote. So obviously what we're doing, uh, you can probably divine from this, we're saying, okay, here's a rule, a template for any element that matches para. So whenever XSL, tproc, or whatever we're using scrubs our XML file, when it hits a para tag, that template gets invoked. So what happens? Well, what happens is that we tell it what to output. So we do the um, bracket P close bracket, and then we say XSL colon apply templates, and then we close the p tag. So essentially, all it's doing is saying whatever was inside those para tags, first give me a, a p tag, uh, an HTML p tag, for which is paragraph, and then put the contents, cat 
concatenate the contents into this space and then get, do another uh, thing bracket slash p bracket and that's all I want you to do. So we could put anything in there really. I mean we could put a span in there as well if, if we want to. It, do it doesn't matter. So now I've got a p span XSL apply templates close span close p and the same thing for emphasis. Okay. All right, so save that as, again, the marvelously descriptive xsl.xsl, and then we'll apply it. How do you apply it? Well, you need xsltproc installed. It should be in your repository. Um, it, it may may not be called xsltproc in your repository. I'm not sure. I mean, obviously, I, I wouldn't be sure. I don't know what you're running. But, um, you know, just kind of look around. It, it'll, it'll be somewhere. It might even be in, in already included in your distribution if you're running Slackware, for instance. Um, but, yeah, just look for it. You'll find it. Sometimes I guess it might be in some kind of, like, you know, XML utils type of thing or something. I, I, I don't know. Um, but the the name of the, the executable that you will be running is going to be XSLT proc. So look for that and install it. Okay. Once that's done, you can run XSLT proc. And I'm assuming now that you're you're open to a terminal. You're open. You, you've got your terminal open to the directory where your XML and XSL files are saved. So XSLT proc, and then we the first argument is the style sheet. So that's XSL.XSL, and the second one is XM is the um, the XML. So that's XML.XML. So that's the 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 page or the the document that you want to apply. You know, you want to process along with that style sheet. You want to apply the styles to this. So we'll hit return, and the default action is to just dump it out into the terminal so we can see the results pretty quickly. And what you should see is that you've got a little document here, and it starts with not a paratag, but an HTML P and a span tag, and then my name is foo, close span, close P, and then the second P tag, and you're listening to, and then italics, uh, which is uh, bracket I, close bracket, Hacker Public Radio, close I, close P. So we've essentially, uh, for all intents and purposes, a little bit sloppy, but, um, you know, in real life we would want to append a bunch of header information and stuff, but but let's just go with this for now. Uh, we've essentially, we've, we've transformed XML into really hasty and uh, fairly old-fashioned HTML. Cool? Alright, so now let's go and do some more stuff. And we, we're not gonna, not gonna get too deep into the really cool stuff yet. Bear with me, it's coming, it's happening. Um, so one of the cool things about this, and this isn't gonna impress you if you know CSS, you're gonna be like, oh, CSS can do that too. And it's true, it can. But what we can do is we can uh, qu uh, qualify, I guess, which, for instance, what kind of emphasis tag gets what kind of transform applied to it. So in our second template here, in our style sheet, in our XSL one, we've got a, a XSL template match equals emphasis. Well, if you if you remember in our XML, if you look at that, we had we had uh, emphasis role equals bold. So really what we wanted was Hacker Public Radio to be bold, but instead the emphasis thing made it italics, and that's kind of, that's 
that's not what we wanted. We wanted it to be bold. So what we ought to do, I reckon, is tell our style sheet here, our XSL style sheet, that if there's an attribute on this thing that 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 dictates that it should be bold, then we should make it bold instead. So how would we do that? Well, here's how we would do it. So rather than getting rid of the current one, I'm just going to copy it, the template, because frankly, that's working pretty well for the emphasis. Actually, it's not. So I'm going to change the bracket I to bracket EM, and then the closing bracket I to bracket slash EM, because that's the modern notation for that. Uh, so what we'll do then is copy that block and paste it. So now we've got three template uh, templates in our style sheet. And one of them is for real italics, for italic italics. And this one's going to be for, for strong. So what you can do is you do it match equals, quote, emphasis, and then square bracket, and then the at sign, roll equals, quote, uh, single quote, bold, close single quote, close square bracket, close quote. So we've got the emphasis match, but we've stated after emphasis in square brackets that if it's got the the role attribute and and the notation for that is the at symbol and then the word role equal that's easy to under, to remember because attribute um, so at role equals uh, single quote bold close single quote because we already have double quotes around all this and then square bracket quote. So that should set this thing such that if it says bold up there, we're going to make it strong here. Strong. And that's the modern version of bold in HTML. Um, I think that's everything there that I, th yeah, I think that's all I wanted to do there. So let's just try that out. So we go over to our terminal again and clear it out a little bit. Okay. And then XSL T proc space XSL dot XSL space XML dot XML. So it's the style sheet and then the, the file that we want to apply it to. Return. And here we go. So now we've got the, um, once again, we've got our HTML, our pseudo HTML document. And it's P span, my name is foo, close span, close P. And then P span, you're listening to strong Hacker Public Radio, close strong span p, and of course, if we had italics in there somewhere, let's let's put an um, let's just put emphasis around the word name, for instance, and do that again. And sure enough, now if you've got if you've done that, then you've got my em name close em is foo, and you're listening to strong Hacker Public Radio. So we've got essentially we we've got a way to 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 dictate how we transform things based on attributes on individual elements. There, there are a couple of different, I mean, there, well, there are, I say a couple, there are like, I don't know, 10 or 11 different patterns that you can match so that you can determine what kind of transform you want to do. Um, you can do like a, um, you can just do does the thing have an attribute, you know? So if it was just emphasis at role, if it has a role at all, then maybe we'll make it something else. Uh, you can, as we've done here, the attribute equals a certain value. You can do 
um, you can do ors like emphasis or uh, strong. You know, if it's if it's either an emphasis tag or a strong tag. Not that there's a strong tag in DocBook that I can recall, but um, whatever. You know, so if it was um, two things that you've decided need to be applied a certain way, then that's with a pipe symbol. So you do do a match equals emphasis pipe strong or whatever. So yeah, there's a, there's a couple of different pattern matches that you can do within XSL, and it really makes it a lot more sort of flexible, I guess, is what it does. And and like I say, you can do that sort of thing in, in CSS3, so if you're you're really familiar with CSS, you are not impressed yet. That's fine. So let's do something a little bit fancier. So you'll, you'll, you'll recall that we've got this role, or rather this author tag, which we put the word foo into. That's kind of not that impressive, but foo, it's a placeholder. Well, okay, how do we change what's in the author tag? Well, this is where XSL gets kind of fun, and it has it has all kinds of things, really. Um, but one of the things that it has, a sort of a switch or a case statement, kind of, it's called the choose, actually. Uh, and then along with that, obviously, or you would imagine uh, that, that there would have to be some way to detect a value so that you know what to base this choice on. So it's got a, essentially a test. So let's do that. Let's make one. So we'll um, we'll go in here and we'll make another template in our style sheet. So XSL colon template, and we'll do match equals quote author close quote. So that's again the tag that we've used. We we tagged foo as author. So we, we we're just matching the the tag again. But in addition to that, we're going to do a space name equals host close quote close bracket so now we're in our template so now we'll do xsl colon choose close bracket now we're in our choose block and in that we'll have two choices we'll do an xsl when that's w-h-e-n space test equals that's t-e-s-t -E equals quote dollar sign host equals single quote clatu close single quote, close quote, close bracket. And then we'll do XSL colon text. So we haven't seen this one before. You may be on, you may be getting what I'm doing, but but I'm not going to say yet. So then I'll type clatu and then close the, te the text uh, tag and then close the when tag. Now we'll open up another when tag. So it's the same block really. When XSL colon when space test equals dollar sign host equals uh, single quote gort single quote double quote bracket and then xsl colon text gort close xsl text and close the when and then close the choose and then close the template and then close the style sheet all right so just kind of describing it to you again, we've got the, a new template, and the template is matching the tag called author, and then it has this other thing that we don't know about yet called name equals host. And then we've got a choose block, and in that choose block we have two when statements. And one when statement tests to see if the host is clatu, and the other one sees if the host is equal to gort. And either way, it sets the xsl colon text to either clatu or gort. 
and then we close the when, we close the choose, we close the template, we close the style sheet because we're done. Alrighty. So now we go back over to the shell and we type XSL tproc. Wait, don't type in what you think you're going to type in. I know you think you're going to type in XSL.XSL. You're not going to yet. You're going to, we're going to use an option. We're going to use a, an XSL tproc option. So it's dash dash string param. That's S-T-R-I-N-G-P-A-R-A-M, space host, the word host, and then space, uh, quote, clatu, close quote, and then xsl.xsl, that's the style sheet, and then xml.xml, that's, of course, our document, and then we'll hit return. And now what do we have? Same old thing, HTML again, p span, my name is, wait a minute, it's not foo, it's clatu. And then you're listening to Hacker Public Radio. And of course, if we just repeat that command, but instead of clatu and we feed it gort as the host parameter, then sure enough, we have my name is gort instead of clatu, and you're getting it, you're listening to Hacker Public Radio. So, as you can see, XSL has a couple of tricks up its sleeve. It can do sort of not if-then statements, but you know, more like a case or a switch, I guess. It can it can actually detect parameters that you feed it either dynamically or maybe somewhere else I mean you, you could put them in a couple of different places to be honest but but in this case we're doing it dynamically and it's adjusting the very contents of of our document based on what it finds and I mean, we 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 did the cool one, or I I think it's cool because we're we're swapping out actual text. I think that's just magical to me. That's like amazing. It's just wait a minute, you can you can detect the stuff between the tags and then change it. That's amazing. That that blows my mind. But I mean, you could you don't have to use it for that. You could say, hey, if the host is called Clatu, then make the font style, uh, or make the font family, you know, uh, junction. And if it's Gort, make it Orbitron. Whatever. Uh, you can you can do all kinds of things based on on these matches. It doesn't have to just swap out the text. But it's really really handy and it's really really fun and uh, pretty neat. So that's your basic introduction to XSL. I could go on, but I wouldn't really know where to stop, uh, frankly, because there's just so much. There's so much that you can do in XSL. And yeah, it's all XML based, and the more you know about XPath and XML in general, the better. And and it really is highly dependent on what you're outputting to, as well, to um, where you're going, what, what you're outputting to. Yeah. Um, so if you're going out onto paper, you're gonna have kind of one set of templates, you know, or, or, or stylings that you would want to do, whereas if you're going out to HTML, then it's a completely different matter, so it, it, it does, it's, it, it gets complex, and then on that complexity, you heap more complexity. To be fair, so does anything else, right? I mean, CSS, you, you, you can style CSS, but if you, if you wanted to do CSS properly for printing, you would have to use the, the CSS print attributes rather than just the normal, you know, the, the usual CSS, more or less. So there, there's there's a little bit of crossover there. Um, and yeah, it just kind of depends on what, you, what, what you're planning for. But 
that said, if you kind of dig around enough into XSL, you kind of get an idea for for what things you can change and how you change them, and you can kind of take it from there. So it, it's it it is it's, it's pretty cool. Now finding out the information about XSL is a little bit trickier, to be honest. It's not not super tricky, but it's tricky. Um, the best place to start for my money is either Norm Walsh's web page where he does uh, a tutorial on XSL. Um, that is in Walsh. That's in as in Norman. In Walsh dot com slash docs slash tutorials slash xsl slash xsl yes i said that twice because it's in there twice slash frames dot html so that's that's a really good one uh no complaints about that one uh and then another one is well there's certainly a book from o'reilly called xsl dash fo which is about making xml look good in print. So if you're in the mood to, to purchase a, a book on the subject, you're, you're certainly uh, welcome to do that. The source for most of that, or the, I don't know if it's a source, but a lot of that same content is on DP, or D Pawson, that's uh, D as in Delta Pawson, P-A-W-S-O-N dot co dot U-K slash XSL. Uh, he's the, I think he's the author of the O'Reilly book. Yeah, it is um, the the O'Reilly book. So a lot of that sort of content is on his page in the, um, I think the XSL FAQ, I think. I don't know. The site's a little bit out of date, so it's probably not, it's not probably the, the best one to use, but it is really good. The stuff that is there is quite good. Um, but yeah, either either of those two sites are really good. The the one that you'll find through internet searches a lot is Sage Hill Press, which um, is not is great. It's not bad. It's just it tends to be almost um, cookbooky. You know, it kind of tells you exactly how to do certain things, and it doesn't necessarily, at least at least in my opinion, it doesn't necessarily explain everything all that well. So I, I feel like that one's a little bit. I mean, it's a great site. It's it's fantastic, and it's got a lot of information on there. It's just not like a an explanation of everything, or it is, but then it doesn't really cross reference itself, and it's it's difficult to follow. I have found. And then finally, um, last but not least, I reckon there is a pretty good working example of all of this stuff, and and what you can do in um, this document that I released, and I'll put a link in the in the um, show notes for this as well, but it's uh, it's over at dmsguild.com, and if you just do a search for docbook, then this will come up. It's the adventure template for docbook uh, XML, and I helped out on this, and what we did was we took the official uh, Dungeons & Dragons, um, I guess, contributor, you know, um, what is it called? Yeah, contributor stuff, like anything that you contribute to to Dungeons & Dragons under their official Dungeon Master Guild logo or whatever, or imprint, I guess, uh, they've got, they had published an official template for that, and so 
the we sort of took the official template and reproduced it in docbook xml it's a little bit of a work in progress but the uh the the source for that well you can certainly just get it from dm's guild but you can also get it from uh gitlab and the source of that should be fairly fairly enlightening because there's a bunch of stuff on in there that well there's just a in the style directory if you go to the gitlab uh, in the style directory, there's my style, and I think I call it rejo.xml, which registers all of your system fonts for for XSL to use, and then you can apply different fonts to different elements. And then my style does a bunch of styling on stuff, and then the GNU make file is quite useful as well because it shows at least for the PDF output which is the default output, as much as it pains me to admit that, but it's kind of what that community expects. Um, it's uh, It's got a bunch of parameters in there that I left in the GNU make file because I wanted it to be easy to alter. For instance, um, the redistribution text in the footer by default is the standard Dungeon Master Guild sort of all rights restricted type of thing or all rights reserved whatever and and i um am using this myself and i didn't want those kinds of restrictions so i set it so that you could make you know you could do it you could release it under a creative commons a variety of creative commons licenses as well so that one's super helpful um another one that that i imagine might be variable very frequently is the paper type and the page width, page height, um, little things like that. You know, things that I figure, well, people might want to change this frequently, so I'll, I'll leave it here so that they don't have to go through the the style sheet and change it there. But, you know, change it once here, and that way uh, it gets changed. You, you don't have to change it several times in the style sheet. So that's, that's what I did there. So if you want to look at that, you're certainly welcome to. It's It's free. You can just download it from either GitHub or for, from DMs Guild. And yeah, that's that's a pretty good example of a bunch of different um, principles. And, and some of it is a little bit... It's going to be a little bit snaky to try to figure out what exactly it applies to. There, there's, there are a lot of... a lot of different attribute sets and rules and templates that get applied, so... It is a little, and it, and this is obviously, as I say, this is very specific to going out to print. So it is very specifically building what's called FO formatting objects, which which is required for going out to a printer. So yeah, it's it may be over complex for something that you're doing. It may not, but either way, it 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 um it will show you kind of some of the the things that you can do with it. Maybe it'll be educational. Maybe it'll just be confusing. Who knows? Uh, one cool thing in there, too, that seems to impress people who see it uh, is that you can do double-column stuff really easily. And that's 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 baked in there somewhere. I don't remember if it's something that you can... Yeah, column widths, uh, you can do... You can set that a couple of different ways. So I have it um, as as a double-column by default, I think. 
So that's kind of cool. Apparently that's not super easy to do in something like LaTeX or, or, or LaTeX. LaTeX. Um, that's how Dave Morris told me I was supposed to say it. Okay, so that's, yeah, that's XSL uh, and, and, and XML and how they, and how they relate. So hopefully that was helpful. I don't know. I mean, it's really just a taster, sort of a teaser. If you're really interested in it, um, like I say, you can find out more about it and then just dive right in. That's the best way to do it. The the default docbook style sheets are pretty ugly. They're they I mean they're functional, they're super functional, but they're pretty ugly. So even just going in there and just changing the font, just doing something simple as a font change is a huge difference. Or maybe giving a little bit of spl- splash of color to your headings, you know, th- th- little things like that. Huge difference, and and it'll make your doc book output, uh, your 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 manual doc put book output, you know, without resorting to, for instance, um, Pandoc, you can just kind of do it yourself, and it'll look really really nice. Um, and and the more you do that, then you kind of build your way up to something that that's you know completely like, how did they make this? How did they even create this at all? So. Yeah, hopefully this was this was somewhat informative and helpful. So thanks for listening and I'll talk to you next time. You've been listening to Hacker Public Radio at hackerpublicradio.org. We are a community podcast network that releases shows every weekday, Monday through Friday. Today's show, like all our shows, was contributed by an HBR listener like yourself. If you ever thought of recording a podcast, then click on our contribute link to find out how easy it really is. Hacker Public Radio was founded by the Digital Dog Pound and the Infonomicon Computer Club and is part of the binary revolution at binrev.com. If you have comments on today's show, please email the host directly, leave a comment on the website or record a follow-up episode yourself. Unless otherwise stated, today's show is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Sharealike 3.0 license.